Good morning, everybody. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Kevin. I am here to try and see if we can figure out some scripture together. Um, so Heather was just reading in Matthew 7. We're kind of continuing on in uh, the Sermon on the Mount and through Matthew. And I kind of wanted to start this week by actually um, Dan. So Dan was a couple of weeks ago. And the way that he kind of started was he kind of gave a, a perspective, his perspective, so that we could understand how he's bringing the word and how he's reading the scriptures. Because we all have a past. We all have how we grew up, whether we grew up in church or not. Um, you know, people that influenced our lives, the work that we do now influences how we even read scripture, um, circumstances. There's just, there's a ton of things that kind of influence the way that we see and perceive the scripture. And obviously we're, we're guided by the Holy Spirit throughout that process. But there is a certain perspective that we all bring to even interpreting the scriptures. So, um, so I was going to, I, I appreciated that about yours, Dan, how you just kind of set the tone of, you know, who you are and how you're reading this and open to the, being vulnerable to be open to say, you know, this is how I view it, but this is not necessarily, you know, the only way to view it. This is just how I see it. Um, I appreciated that. So for me, I, um, I did grow up going to church. I did grow up um, for most of my childhood going to a United Church. And what I kind of felt from that, uh, maybe, maybe it was just that church or maybe it's United Churches, but I just kind of felt like there was a lot of stuff that was kind of works-based. And that's kind of how I grew up also in my home life. I'm the youngest, uh, I have two older sisters and my parents own their own business and everything was, there was a lot of work that had to be done. <laughs> everything was always um, kind of an earning uh, scenario. At least that was in my heart, that's what we, we were kind of grown up with a good work ethic, I would say. And, and now um, coming to this church, uh, oh gosh, how long ago was that? <laughs> long time, 16 years ago, I think, yeah. It was 16 years ago that we started coming, which is pretty wild to think that that was that long ago. Um, but yeah, we, my wife and I came to Alliston and we tried out the, the church on Paris Street that's where we started out, Alliston Christian Fellowship. And I had never really encountered the, the Holy Spirit the way that I had, we had encountered him when we walked even in the door the first day. It was just something different to me that I, I knew about Jesus. I knew that, you know, the Holy Spirit was there. I, I understood all those things, but there was a different reality in actually experiencing God's presence. And to me, that was, that was obviously life-changing and part of the reason why I'm st still here today. Um, you know, it's, it's a different thing when you can understand what the scriptures are saying, but when you feel and, un and can actually know that God is here like he is this morning, um, it's, it's literally life-changing. And now as a, a father of five and, you know, a husband, I now own my parents' small business <laughs> and, um, um, an elder here at the church, there's just, there's a certain responsibility. Like I feel um, probably like my, my father did before me that he, uh, 
you kind of have to control everything. You have to be, well, you are tend to be, the, especially as the boss, you tend to be the person that everyone looks to when there's a problem and you are expected to solve it and solve it not only right, but quickly. Um, and usually you want to solve it right the first time. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the, the, I think I take that into a lot of different aspects of my life. I think I take that into parenthood. I don't want to screw them up. <laughs> I don't want to lead them down a wrong path. I want to teach them and for them to know about Jesus the way that I know about it now. Like I, I don't want them to struggle for 15 or 20 years to, to know who Jesus is and how much he loves them. You know, I want them to know that they can have a conversation with Jesus. It's not just for parents. It's not just for somebody up front that's speaking, that they can hear God and that's it. it it's for them. They, they can hear God and he wants to speak to them. And so there's just, that's a little bit of the perspective where I'm kind of bringing what I read today. Um, the other thing is that I actually preached on these verses about five years ago, which is kind of crazy that I came back to, I only preached like once or twice a year, clearly. And to come back to this same verse is, um, it was a, a little bit of a, a sigh of relief, like, okay, I've done a lot of homework on this already, so I should be good. Um, but actually reading into it and even talking about it with a few people, it was, um, I think the reality that again, my perspective of this has changed. There's a lot that's happened in five years. Like there is for us as a church, we have, we've gone through some kind of tough times. We have yes, gone through COVID and that was not easy. And during that there was, uh, for those of you who don't know, there was a church split and that is hard and it hurts. And some, sometimes you just don't want to believe that that's for the better. Um, but God's got a bigger plan. And so coming to this, this time, my perspective of how these verses kind of come out and the truth behind them, the truth hasn't changed, but my perspective of how they relate to me has. So um, I'm just going to kind of jump right in. What I wanted to kind of focus on was more so the first few verses, not so much about when uh, verses nine to uh, 11 there, but I want to kind of jump into the first part, the ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And the first part of that is that I want you guys to understand when I read that and when I'm reading it now versus then, my first reactions to it aren't the same. They actually, when I read those things, the first gut feeling, if I'm honest, was that those verses are not fully true or they're only half true, to be honest. And that's kind of hard to say, but the reasons behind that is, I have asked and I have seeked and I have knocked and it seems like nothing, uh, nothing has been answered. There has been times in my life for that. I've been hurt or disappointed with the results of when or how God has answered prayer. And what the heck do I even ask for? I've asked that many times. 
even within the proper context of prayer, what am I supposed to be asking for? And also, it's just really, really, really hard. He's asking us to not just pray, but to continually go after him in prayer. And that's sometimes hard when you haven't seen an answer to prayer. Um, now, also mixed with that is the opposite side of that. The I have seen, I, I have known, and I know that he is good. And I have seen answered prayers. I've heard amazing, beautiful testimonies of prayers being answered. I can see that in our, in our community. It resonates through here. I can see people who have diligently, I think of Trish Kitchen, who has dil diligently gone after the Lord. And I have seen such a change in her. We all have. And just her heart's desire to go after the Lord is inspiring in itself. I am thankful that I could pray to a God that hears and cares about me and my life details. It's hard, yes, but it is also so, so good. So mixed in with some disappointments, there's so many things to be thankful for. And um, I think I'm just going to pray kind of went past that, but I'll pray first now. Um, Lord, I just want to thank you that... Thank, thank you that you're here, first and foremost. Thank you that you have created a way for us to be in your presence. I thank you that you desire to be with us, and you desire to share your presence with us, Lord. And I pray that we, I pray that we don't take that lightly. I pray that we don't um, take it for granted that you are here with us, that you love us, and that you earnestly desire to be with us. And I pray that in the words that I'm speaking out today, that if there's anything that's not of you, Lord, that that would just fall to the side. And whatever is from you, that that would penetrate people's hearts and that they would turn, turn to you, Lord. Either turn back to you or turn to you for the first time. Thank you, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so ask and it will be given. Jesus is clearly stating the ask without stipulations in this. But he has already given us uh, some suggested guidelines or context. If we go, uh, so if we take this in context with the rest of the teachings that we have gone through already, there is a heart position and a kingdom mindset that Jesus is bringing us through all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And I think that Jesus is telling us to ask within that context of what he's teaching us, even back in chapter six. I just wanna read that with the Lord's Prayer. Like we learned about how to pray, right? So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thank you, Lord. So if we're starting within this context of prayer or asking, we will then uh, be coming to him with praise, with reverence, humility, humbly asking for his will, not ours, to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what does that mean? What are we actually, like, what, 
do we actually uh, pray for? And I would say that when I was thinking about that and how to even answer that, I almost think don't get caught up on what to start with. Don't let the what be a stumbling block to not even start praying or asking in the first place. Our God is a relational God who is looking for a relationship with us. He knows what you're going to ask before we even ask it. And yet he pleads over and over and over for us to be bringing these things to him and to be praying, to be asking. And I think we need to start at that beginning. We need to pray and ask. Come before our Heavenly Father and ask. Actually speak out our heart's desires to him. He will not be shocked or surprised by your needs or wants or desires. He already knows them. And I read this about uh, A.W. Tozer when I was doing some studying, and it was said, Genuine prayer, Tozer reminds us, is about a passion for God and an obsession with entering his presence. God delights in our presence and delights in sharing his presence with us. Yeah. The more we are in relationship with God, the more we listen to the Holy Spirit, the more we read and learn about God's character, the more our prayers and asks will start to become an echo of God's heart for his people. At that point, then we will know and have so many things to pray for. We will know the what. It will be written on our hearts from his. So, when it does come to prayer... And asking God for some things, like I talked about at the beginning, there's some things in our past that can affect why we don't want to pray or how we pray. And I feel like some of the stumbling blocks that can kind of come along with that, there was, there was three of them that I really wanted to talk about today. And they're quite common when we're talking about prayer and, and asking God for something. Sometimes we might struggle with the idea of why or why would or should I ask for something if God already knows what I'm asking for. And this is kind of easier to explain, but harder to kind of implement and remember all the time. And and it's pretty simple that our God is a relational God. Okay. He lives in perfect relationship as a triune God, father, son, and Holy spirit. From the beginning, God has created us to be in relationship with him. Yes, he already knows what is on our hearts, but he tells us to ask him anyways. He asks and calls us to be in relationship with him. He loves us, and it is so key for us to be active in our relationship with him. He is there for us already. We need to engage him. Um, This can sometimes actually be harder when things are kind of going smoothly, and everybody gets things, you know, everything's a little bit more confident in yourself, and, and, you know, there's... There's that I can handle it kind of moment. There's no problem. So why would I, you know, what am I asking for? Um, But prayer is not just about asking for help. It's a continuous conversational relationship between you and the creator of the universe. And as you would do with any close friend, you would talk about the good, the bad, the whatever. So let's be in relationship with him. Let's actually engage. And another stumbling block might have been that you have been hurt or disappointed and that you've prayed something and that that prayer either wasn't answered or wasn't answered the way that you expected. And unanswered prayers are tricky. They're hard. I don't have all the answers for those things. Um, but there's a couple things that I, 
I have seen in my own life, and I have seen the results of unanswered prayer and tried to work backwards as you always do. Um, and sometimes our prayers, um, so I'll just, I'll share some of the things that I thought about that. Um, sometimes in our prayers or asks, we might be asking more about personal gain or desires rather than God's will. In James 4, 3, it says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And that might sound harsh, but in all honesty, I have done that. Not because intentionally I wanted to do something that was against God's will or that it was intentionally my desire, but sometimes we're just too close to something and you want something more than you want what God wants. Throughout this series, uh, looking at the Sermon on the Mount, we keep coming back to God's kingdom and how life is so much better under his guidance. We get caught up in the worldliness of what's around us. And I mean, when I was reading through about worldliness and I read through James chapter four, if you wanna just take a quick peek into there, you won't wanna live in the world. <laughs> um, when we talk about that triangle that comes up on the board and it's God's way, God's kingdom and earth, basically, worldliness, and in our kingdom, however we want to call that. Um, I mean, James 4, you see that, and you're like, man, that's wild. Like, God, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love and your understanding. And just, yeah, you can't help but be um, just floored by his grace. Um, we want to be realigning our hearts with his, but if we... Uh, if we are just asking for things that will take our hearts away from God's, then why would he want to answer that prayer for us? He is a good father and he gives good gifts. So why would he give us something that would make us stumble in our walk with him? Right? Kids all ask for that kind of stuff all the time. And we are his kids. Kids will always ask for something that they definitely shouldn't have. I get asked constantly for knives. I don't know why everyone wants a knife, but everyone wants to carve wood. And I'm like, no, not a chance. <laughs> You're not getting that until you're older and can handle it. <laughs> um, another thought about unanswered prayer might be this. Um, I ask or pray for whatever it is, fill in the blank, but I'm not really ready to fully and completely hand it over to God. Now, that could be a lot of different things. It could be something even like healing. It could be something like even for me, I know that I've struggled with completely trusting God with something in my kids' lives seems to be easier when it's, you know, you and when it affects the people you love, it's hard to hand that over. Um, if we know and believe that God loves and cares for us and he, uh, that he listens to each and every one of our prayers, but fail to recognize that he ultimately knows what's best for us and has your true best intentions in mind, then we have kind of a breakdown of who we think who God really is. And God's not just looking for some empty phrases for us to pray out like the Gentiles did, uh, but is asking for our hearts to be completely trusting. Knowing that he is a good, good father. And he loves me no matter what. Asking for his will to be done and not my personal desires. And if you look at Jesus, uh, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, 39, it says, And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus seemed like he would have preferred not to die, but understood that his loving father knew best and Jesus completely and wholly trusted him and wanted his will to be done over his momentary desires. Then the last, the third thing there that I had for stumbling is that I don't want to pray or ask God because I feel like I, God's got bigger things on his mind and he doesn't want to be bothered with my little things. And that was shocking to me because it's not a perspective that I had, but speaking with a few people about this, that was pretty common, like very common. So if you are feeling that, you are not alone. And the first, there's two, kind of two things that I think God was speaking to me about this. Um, and the first one really does actually hurt my heart, to be honest. The first thing is I was imagining a close friend or someone you, you love, one of your kids is where I was, my heart was at. And that instead of them asking you for something to either help them out or just give them some feedback on something that they really care about in their lives, they just keep quiet and go through whatever it is they're dealing with because they assume that you're too busy or it's not important enough for you to care. Yeah. It breaks my heart if one of my kids was, just didn't bother asking me something that was so hard uh, because they assumed that I didn't have the time or I didn't care enough. That would mean that God loves us enough to sacrifice his son for us, but after that, he doesn't love us enough to want to spend time with us even though faith in his son and his accomplished and his accomplished work on the cross means that we will be spending eternity with him. The second thing about that, uh, not wanting to bother God in a, uh, with our prayers is more of a practical thing in my eyes. It, I read this in a commentary while prepping and it just kind of clicked and made sense for me. And it says, asking is a prerequisite to receiving. So if we are, are not bringing anything, any of those requests to the Lord, how do we expect to receive requests that we never made? And then in, in James 4.2, again, I was really stuck in James, apparently. Uh, James 4.2 says, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. So we have to understand that this is a relational, a relational trust between us and the Father through Jesus' finished works. We really need to know the character of God to be able to completely trust him and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us through this process. So that was kind of what I had from my heart about the ask. <laughs> We're one word in. It, we'll get there. Um, seek and knock, I kind of tied in together because I think that they're, I feel like they're, the action of seek connects and is directly linked to the persistence of knocking. Okay, I think those two things kind of, well, all three obviously tie in together, but asking requires that we acknowledge that we need help and seeking then puts that position of kneeling and humbleness while asking into a position of movement or action. The very definition of seek is to attempt to find. So you can't find something you're not looking for, but, or can't find something you're looking for by doing nothing. 
Therefore, we need to get up and actually find and seek God. This action-inducing word implores us to be moving forward with our asking. The knock part of this scripture asks us not just to seek, but to be persistent in our prayers. To ask and pray and then keep on asking and then keep on asking and praying and so on and so on. It's a call to go after God in prayer with all of our hearts, desires, and passions, and love, and to not stop. Don't stop when prayer is answered or when we feel like it might not be answered, but be relentless in our pursuit of Him. Um, There's a section here. I just want to read. It was one of the, I don't even remember what commentary. You photocopied a lot of stuff for me. (laughs) Thank you. No, thank you. But there was one of the commentaries that I was reading, and it's kind of a lot, but I'm going to read a, a paragraph here because it just helped click a few things in my head even. So, um, to ask naturally indicates uh, prayer, but seek and knock are also metaphors for prayer. In the Apostle John's vision, the risen Jesus knocks so that, that the church will hear and open themselves to the intimacy of his fellowship. Although some see the present imperatives, ask, seek, knock, as practically equivalent, it seems better to suggest that Jesus is indicating a rising scale of intensity in one's prayer and points to the persistence, persistent manner of life lived before the Father. Ask indicates coming to God with humility and uh, consciousness of need as a child fittingly, fittingly comes to uh, their father. Seek links one's prayer with responsible activity in pursuing God's will, as when a person prays for a job and at the same time checks out leads. Knocks, uh, sorry, knock uh, includes perseverance in one's asking and seeking, as when a disciple perseveres in praying for his unbelieving family's salvation and speaks and lives the gospel throughout his lifetime. Just the, the persistence of asking and praying. He promises us that if and when we seek, we will find, and if we knock, it will be open to us. If we earnestly desire something, do we stop after the first couple of steps, or do you keep on running after it? If we're praying for more of the Holy Spirit, Do we just ask once, and if it's not given to us, we give up? If we want to be healed of something, do I quickly throw it into like a dinnertime prayer? No, I would come before the the Lord, humbly asking for His will to be done, and I know that I need more of the Holy Spirit. Um, Sorry. I would come before before the Lord, humbly asking for His will to be done. I would not just want to give up on those things. And I don't think anybody here does either. But we do tend to give up on our persistence in seeking God relationally. If I really want to see the kingdom of God move in my life, I have to be willing to do what God's asking me to do. And here he's asking us to pray, move, and keep doing that. To ask, seek, knock. I've heard the saying that God loves us as we are, but loves us too much to let us stay that way. Well, let's not stay this way. God has more for us. 
He has so much more. And in the last few weeks, I, I know that there's been a turn of the Holy Spirit just seems to be moving a lot. Like this morning during worship time. I don't know about anybody of you guys, but like tears, tears rolling down my eyes. Just seeing, first of all, these beautiful kids up at the front, just pouring their heart out to Jesus. And also the, the verses, just, um, just seeing that, like, I, I don't want anything else. I just need Jesus. And that is exactly what this, these section of scripture verses are just throwing us at. It's just, you just need Jesus. Go after him, ask, seek, knock, come after God with all of your heart. So that's what I would say is let's go, let's get up and go after him. I know sometimes it can be very hard. We can face disappointments. We have had disappointments in our lives, but God has made a promise here. And God does not leave his promises unfulfilled. I believe this call to action and promise of finding is not necessarily about getting an answer to our specific prayers, but more about our heart and willingness to go after God as we never have before. To be consistent in our desire to seek first the kingdom of God above everything else, and it's about going after God with a constant and consistent desire to be molded into his likeness. It's not about the result, but more about the way we go after Jesus with all of our heart. Trusting him, knowing him, and that he has our best interests in mind. I didn't have anything else after that. Um, kind of a shorter one, probably. I don't even know what time it is. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of want to close with had a couple things kind of rattling around in my heart, but I just, I want to, I want to encourage us. So I think what we, if we could spend a couple of minutes, maybe just in prayer, um, thanking the Lord, whether it's for an answered prayer or just his presence or whatever kind of God's putting on your heart. But I think just spending a moment and taking the time to acknowledge that God is good. He is for us. He has promised here that, you know, if we are asking, seeking and knocking, he is going to respond. It's not left dead in the water. Okay. So I'll lead us off. And then just from your seats, just let's just pray out thankfulness to the Lord. And then after that, um, Jillian is going to actually lead us through some communion and confession, I believe. So then we can actively get up and pursue God right afterwards. <laughs> right. So Lord, we want to thank you this morning. We want to thank you that you are building a family here. You are knitting our hearts together with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you that you are here with us, that you love us, that you want to hear from us, Lord, that we are not bothering you with our prayers. We are not taking up your time, Lord. You are way bigger than that. You are way bigger than our fears, our worries, our anxiety, Lord. And we want to hand all those things over to you because we trust you. We know that you are good. And we just thank you this morning, Lord.